SheQuest Podcast is the home of heart-opening dialogues, stories, and experiences for self-identified women on SheQuest. Season 5 is now bilingual as I welcome co-host Nadia Bonafa. Hey, Nadia! <laughs> hey, Estelle! Delighted to be part of SheQuest Podcast Forward Movement to Live Aware, Bold, and Whole. Let's do this! Woohoo! Hi, SheQuest, Estelle here. For one of our last episode of the season, I wanted to introduce Connie McKenna to the show, and I thought she's the perfect transition guest into the fall season, full of guts, drive, and passion, individual freedom. And Connie chats with us about her path into owning, well, when we had the conversation, she was owning four studio and now she owns five. So just to tell you (laughs) how much of a fire she has. So here in the Halifax community, and I cannot wait for you to meet this fiery individual. But full disclosure here, this episode was recorded back in June and my voice track got lost. This is like the first time this ever happened. So instead of not sharing Connie with you at all, I've decided to just repiece the episode together to offer you a different, but I think really fun experience of listening to SheQuest podcast. And I also thought it was just a perfect chance to just check in with you, my community. So I don't know about you, but it's been quite the summer here in Cow Bay and my art and yoga studio. And whilst I haven't been actively teaching yoga, I'm, I've been concocting quite the magic. First, I've been writing and creating a university course on the necessity of self-expression, but it's titled Methods in Breath, Movement, and Creativity, which will be out for the Quantum University Wellness Congress in October, so stay tuned for that. I've also been painting quite a bit all my new calendars for 2022 can't believe I'm saying that, but the magic garden calendar, I've been working on the planner. I've been working on a really special project. I can't just quite yet say. So I've been working on all the illustrations. So you have to understand, like, I can't just do the, the, the illustration in like November when they come out, they, they, you know, they need to be constructed way, way before. So we have time to put them together. Now, on top of that, I've been putting together the entire programming for the Art and Yoga Studio uh, for fall in September. It's going to be so much fun. I've, you know, I think it's my best programming yet. In September, we'll be diving into Underwater Magic. In October, it's My Goddess Within program. In November, I've heard you. I've finally heard you. (laughs) Uh, we will be doing some oracle making. So I uh, cannot wait to see you at the online art and yoga studio, which is really the home of my Yours and Magic Women's Circle 
that is in this last four months. So I've decided to do one more round of Women's Circle. Some of these women, I mean, you're all, you're watching this show. Uh, It's been such an incredible, incredible quest with you. Some of you have been with me since like the very beginning, OG of SheQuest. Um, I feel so embedded with you. You've inspired me so, so much. Um, And they're just new things. And I also think it's kind of just natural that to find other teachers, mentors, facilitators, and to just experience other connections in that field. So I'm excited for the last four months of the year. The other thing I've been doing, I've been doing lots of commission. One of them, you can go check out on my Instagram, was a huge four feet by four feet lupine painting, which was such the creative kind of epiphany for me. It really felt like an up-leveling of my skills, and I was so, so glad I got it done, and I got to share it with you all. Uh, one other thing I wanted to tell you, I started uh, some sewing classes at the Patch Halifax. If you haven't checked out the Patch, this is not like sponsored or anything. Such a great little spot. Um, and I did a pillow and I did um, one of those like canvas bags. Uh, and the last thing I did was a shirt. And so it's been really, really humbling. And I, I love, you know, I love to stay humble on the pad and forever knowing that I am a student of life and there's so much to learn, so many medium to try. So it's really, really, really fun. So even though I haven't been active in teaching you, it's been really busy. Um, and my husband finally, well, so my husband and my son, they've been begging me to go to New Brunswick and I finally gave in and we went to Sugarloaf and that was really fun just to really be in the nature, be outside. And, um, I just want to check in with you all too. Like, I want to know how you've been loving the new French episode. So this is the first season that SheQuest was bilingual and that you got to know Nadia and um, either through uh, Instagram or email at info at EstelleThompson.com. I'd love to know how you've been, you know, loving the French episode. Like we realize none of you listening are bilingual, but we've loved collaborating and joining our communities together and and we hope that we can make SheQuest podcasts, you know, even better the next time around. So I have lots and lots more secrets and projects up my sleeve, but I'll have you read them first on my newsletter. And you can always sign up from the my website, Estelle Thompson dot com um thompson no p um and i'll see you there but so yeah so without further ado i'd love to introduce connie and connie's passion and movement began really early around age two and she was a competitive gymnast by the age of five and she's done so many fitness training it's really and you'll hear in the episode she has such a deep passion for people public relations and the world of business in general 
She is from Hatbox originally, and she's a creator and founder of all the R studios of Hatbox. Um, so there's lots of them. I don't know if I'm going to. So there's Rogue. There's uh, the new Rance now, Rebel, Rio, and I'm missing one. But there's five of them now. So they're all group fitness classes ranging from Pilates, yoga, to boxing, to strength, strength, and now spin. And so, and she's a just a great you know, entrepreneur and she's, She's won some award, RBC Women of Influence, as as well as being recognized by TD um, for an international award campaign for efforts in business and community. So I'm so, so, so excited for you to meet Connie today. Thank you so much, dear listeners. I feel all of you listening, you're so loyal and you want a life that's unforgettable. And also what this podcast has always really been about, which has been just to ask questions, to listen to stories and to witness each other through that. I think it's really, really special. And Nadia and I were talking the other day and we were like, you know, really, we're just we're just sharing women's story and there's some of them like they're simple and then in that simplicity really lies the giant just magic of it so thank you thank you so much for being here your presence does not go unnoticed so the first question i asked connie was the first question i always ask is what makes you feel alive but more specifically, back in our conversation, we were almost, I think we were just out of lockdown. So we we're just kind of coming back to a bit more of a normal, normalcy into the world. So uh, we talked about kind of more specifically, you know, what made you feel like throughout the pandemic. So take a listen to this. You know, it's been such a different world over the last year that sometimes it's hard to uh, it's hard to find your shine and feel alive sometimes. But I mean, I think I think what I do and what I'm passionate about and and the work that I do is totally and completely what makes me feel alive and what has kept me going. So we'll go with that. And then I went on to ask what it is like to open an exercise studio during the pandemic. We've been held back from our work in so many ways um, in the last year, but at the end of the day, it still had to be the focus of what keeps us alive and what keeps us moving because it's so important that we continue to show up and the role that we play, um, you know, as leaders in our community or as a space that people rely on, like we've got to be there at the end of the day to whatever capacity we can show up. So it has to be what keeps you alive. And um, if it's not what keeps you alive, you probably fell off a little bit this year and lost interest and and moved on and and can't you know won't be able to return. So I think um, yeah, I think if anything, it's made me feel more alive and understanding the importance of what we do and kind of and more so the importance of my role in it all and leading a team of people and uh, you know watching a lot of mental health pop up and. Yeah, just so many things. I mean, it's certainly what's what's kept me going and it's made me feel feel probably more alive than ever and made me more motivated than ever to keep going. 
Did Connie always want to be in a fitness industry? And I wanted to know what was her schooling and fam family background and really, I mean, how she got where she is today. So no, I don't think I always wanted to open a fitness studio, but, um, you know, obviously fitness has been a huge part of my life, you know, deeper than that from probably the age of I don't know, seven or eight, I definitely had, uh, you know, started my little businesses, whether it was, you know, selling painted rocks on the side of the road. I mean, we used to have a, a tree house, a few friends and I when we were little, and we would basically devote our entire summer for 10 years, raising money for our tree house and what you need money for, for a tree house. I have no idea, no idea, but for us, it was more about the journey. We didn't know what we were going to do with the money, but um, you know, we had a president, we had a secretary, and we had a treasurer, and and we were so passionate about it. And we would, you know, go to our tennis lessons and come home and me- have a meeting and uh, think about all the ways we were gonna, you know, build this this brand, which was just our our play treehouse. <laughs> so it's innate for me, for sure. Um, it's, you know, I was I was a gymnast and. A huge part of that is the discipline and the goal setting that comes along with it. So I've always been very self-motivated. I've always been very goal-oriented. Um, you know, I've always been involved in independent port and independent sports. So, um, you know, I feel like in so many ways, it's it's been just it's just it's been just me. Like I've I've always I've always had to kind of create something for myself and. Uh, had a lot of struggles in childhood, um, rebelled a lot, had a lot of issues at home. And, uh, and yeah, so I mean, I, the, my independence and my drive to keep myself alive and to keep myself moving and to, to have to, you know, do so many things to push myself forward. That's, that's probably the piece of me that, that started at a really young age. My family gave me opportunity. I mean, I was in a good school and, you know, I got to go to university, but uh, there's five kids in my family and there wasn't a lot of pressure to do, like to become a lawyer, become a, you know, we we definitely had, it seemed like it was like that. And, you know, all of my family, you know, most of my family isn't, are lawyers or politicians. And that was sort of the direction, but there was also a bit of uh, a lot of space to say, you know, you can do whatever you want. But also a piece of that was I didn't have really necessarily a role model in the direction that I wanted to go. And so, so much of it was about, you know, me kind of figuring it out and, and finding who I wanted to look after and look to look to look to and um, did a ton of life trainings and conferences and a lot of soul searching to try and figure out who I was because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, so I, I did, I did my undergrad and I did public relations um, at UFT. And during that time, um, you know, I've always been involved in the fitness community and worked at Lululemon and, you know, was setting goals for my life and thought, you know, maybe someday I'll open, I'll open a public relations firm because I love people and I loved being around people and I loved uh, creating experiences for people and event planning and fundraising and, uh, you know, doing charitable work. And so I was really involved in a lot of that world. And so that was my big vision to create um, or to, to have a, to have a, public relations business in Halifax and New York for some reason. And, and if you know me, you probably hear that and think, 
that does not necessarily align with your personality, especially especially back then, because I was very much a free spirit. I mean, I was just a hippie. I mean, I probably brushed my hair once every three weeks. You know, I lived off the clothes off my back. Um, I was just a very, very minimal person. And the two just didn't align. And at one point, um, you know, I looked at the goals of the trajectory of where I was heading and looked at who I was as a person and what really made me happy. And there was just no alignment. And so I, at one point I said, you know, these are the things I'm passionate about and these are my skill sets. And how can I create something that actually aligns and creates who I truly am as a person? Because for me, my number one core value is authenticity, uh, authenticity and being authentic. And um, so, yeah, it definitely took a lot of trial and error and moving and pushing and and working in different industries. And um, and so at the end of the day, it was like, if you want to if you want to you know be in this in this world that you're creating, you're going to have to build it yourself. You're going to have to create it yourself. You've got this vision of what kind of life you want to live and what kind of you know place you want to work in and what kind of industry you want to be in. At the end of the day, it doesn't exist. So you're going to have to go and create it. And I did. <laughs> Were there pivotal moments in your life that redirected your calling? Yeah, there was two moments. Um, and they're really funny. <laughs> uh, sorry, not they're not funny. They're just seemingly so insignificant. And I think I think moments like these that I went through that put me on a very different path are moments in time that probably so many people go through and pass by. Uh, but I, I dialed into it. So one of those moments was while I was in, you know, PR and marketing, I was working at fashion magazine in Toronto and, um, you know, every day, you know, it was a, a nine to five and, you know, you can imagine the dress code that's there and every day everybody's putting so much effort into, into what they look like and how they show up. And I just, and I was just like, I do not want to work in a place where I've got to put on dress pants every day. And that was, you know, as, as seemingly small as that detail is, because sometimes you just got to suck it up and do it. It was significant enough for me to say, this isn't the life that I want to live. And that was, that was one of the moments. Um, and the other one was I, well, a lot, you know, along the lines of what I was saying, you know, I, I, here's my goals and here's who I am as a person. And I was working at Lululemon and I was sitting down with uh, the manager there and she was, she was, you know, I, I, if you know me, what you do, you know, we don't know each other from Adam, so to speak. <laughs> um, you know, I think if you know me, what you see is what you get, right? I mean, you know exactly who I am pretty much the moment you meet me. And um, actually this is another, this there's, there's two managers at Lululemon that really, that really shone for me. So uh, at one point we were leaving when I was in Halifax, we were leaving a staff meeting and I, you know, was wearing my tights and my tank top or whatever from working at Lululemon and I throw on my purse and it's a leopard print purse with like this gold chain on it. And she just looked at me and she was like, it's just so weird to me that you're carrying that purse <laughs> because it was just so uncharacteristic and it was very much at a point in my life where I didn't know who I was or what was going on. And, you know, you try to pick up, okay, what's, what's cool, what's hot, what's everyone else wearing, what's everyone else doing. And, and that really resonated me as like, 
yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm probably a little lost. And it was just like the comment on the bag, but I was just like, this isn't my personality. Um, and then another manager that I had, so she was, you know, looking at my goals and looking for my vision for my life. And my vision for my life was very much, you know, live on the water, travel, you know, have time to give back, you know, wake up in the morning, sit down, like enjoy a cup of coffee, have space, have have flexibility. And then looking at this, like, I want to run an empire in New York City the two didn't exactly go hand in hand. And so in that moment, we we took the piece of paper that had my goals and my vision, we tore it up and I walked home and I went into a bookstore and I picked up, a, I can't remember exactly what book it was now, but it was something about being a free spirit. And I went home and I was just like, okay, like I've got to figure, I know my identity and now I just really got to tune into it and decide what that's going to look like for me. So those were my moments. <laughs> And what would you say to anyone looking for their mission? A lot of times we don't think that we have a choice and we just think, you know, this is the way it is and this is the box that we're put in and this is what we're supposed to do. And well, someone told me to do this or this is what someone else is doing. And I think being able to clue into, oh, maybe I have another option. Like maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe I can do something that doesn't require me to get up every morning and put on clothes that I don't want to wear. So in the past little dialogue, you just realized Connie's passion um, behind building her, you know, her studios, but really her brand and the feeling that wants to be exuded from her classes. And so I asked her what was scary about building that. A scary thing for me in starting the brand is I was kind of going out and doing something against the grain. And, you know, we were putting rock and roll music to yoga classes and you know a lot of people would turn their heads and and you know not quite comprehend you know you're going against the grain you're kind of breaking down the 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 walls of what is tradition here and for me it was just like well I'm just kind of shaping it into myself and and thinking that maybe there's other people who don't necessarily want to fit into this other mold of what society is telling them to do and so maybe we'll start a little you know We'll start a, a community of, of like-minded individuals who just don't necessarily follow exactly the path or don't necessarily conform to what society is telling them to do. So as much as, you know, what I created is, uh, is a brand, it's really about just a place to find your identity. As I mentioned before, Connie, at the time of our conversation, was opening her fourth studio and now fifth, uh, taking over a fifth uh, and so I asked her, what are the lessons that she had learned? Um, well, I think especially in the last year, and I don't think this is a new lesson for me because it's never been about money for me, but, um, you know, I think just anyone opening a business and it's it's so easy to get lost in the in the making money side of it, because ultimately that's, you know, in order to survive and that's what a business is meant to do, but it has to be about so much more than that. And if you're, you know, if you go into business to make money, you're just, in my opinion, I don't think you can be successful. And I think about the last year where, you know, there's 10 years of work behind me that went into getting to the studios to where they are. And in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden we're shut down and our revenue stream is gone. And, you know, I, what's kept us going and why I've been able to open a studio in 
the midst of this closure <laughs> and chaos and lack of revenue streams is um, is that I'm passionate about it and there's a bigger purpose than that. And I think for sure that's what, you know one thing I learned. You know, I I remember when I did first open and um, I you know I felt bad charging people because I just wanted it was an art that I wanted to to offer and it was a space that I wanted to bring people to and it was so much more than just getting, you know, getting, getting a, a money back for all the service that I was providing. Um, eventually I did learn that in fact, you do need to charge people in order to have the business, but, um, it's so easy for people to want to go in a direction for money and, um, and for the things that they can buy with money or, you know, the life that they can create for themselves. And, you know, the one thing I've always focused on is there's nothing in my life that I can buy that I can't get from pursuing the passion and creating the life that I've curated for myself. I personally get so fascinated about the quality one needs to be an entrepreneur. So I candidly asked her, what are the qualities uh, to be an entrepreneur and how does she juggles being a teacher and a manager at the same time? There's definitely qualities in people that, you know, you're destined to be an entrepreneur. Um, and there's qualities in people that it doesn't work. I mean, it, you know, it, it takes a very different set of skills to be an entrepreneur, but it also takes a very certain set of skills to be a nine to five and to work in that environment. Um, I think a lot of people don't are, are afraid of making a job out of their passion for fear that it will take their passion away. And I couldn't go on this conversation without asking her, what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur to make passion into career? You know, up until really the last year or so, I did a lot. I mean, I've had, I definitely have a, an amazing team and I have some support, but I've, I haven't had like a full-time manager at any of the studios. And so a lot of the work I've, you know, a lot of the backbone, I still do very much myself. Um, I'm getting more and more away from that. But because of that, you know, after the first couple of years of having the studios, I stopped teaching entirely for about two years. Uh, I just didn't have time to, you know, plan classes. I hated showing up, you know, not being a hundred percent. It was so hard to be on the back end and then show up and everybody has questions for you. And so to be on both sides, I just found it so challenging. So I stopped teaching for about two years and it wasn't until uh, the third studio opened. So 2019, I got back into teaching and I forgot how much I loved it. And I was like, this is why I'm in this. I'm not in this to answer emails and, you know, to, to work on the logistics of this business. Like I'm in this because I love people. I love being in front of people. I love that I can potentially be, you know, the one hour in people's day uh, that they get for themselves and to move them and to inspire them and, you know, to help them reach goals and, and just enjoy themselves. So that was a really big, a really big thing for me was, you know, I did get away from the quote unquote part of the part of the business that I was passionate about and um, I'm back to teaching now. And I'm just so grateful because that's ultimately what I love about it. But it's interesting. I, I stepped back from what I actually got in this to do. 
I think in some ways, you know, and that and that is probably why people people don't do it. They want their passions to remain their passions. But I think it is possible to keep both. But I do understand the fear of um, why people don't want to do it. And especially for this, I mean, my, this is my life. I mean, you know, my my friends are people that I know from the gyms. My, you know, day-to-day, you know, wake up thinking about the studio. My hobbies are moving and listening to music and everything to do with this. So there is no space between Connie and what the what the business and what the brand are. And there's just I don't there's no distinction. I'm not there's no one without the other. And um, you know, sometimes that can be challenging, but it also just makes the brand as authentic as it is because it's just entirely an encapsulation of who I am. Yeah. I mean, I think first off, you have to, you know, really, really love it. (laughs) You know, I think people think, oh, that, that seems like it's a cool idea or that, um, you know, you just, it's all consuming and you have to, you have to really be all in. And, you know, I think we learned that, especially this last year, if I wasn't fully committed and fully devoted to this, it would have been so easy to be negative and so easy to just give up. Um, so I, you know, I think number one, it's just like, make sure you're really passionate about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who have a skill, um, a great skill and decide to go into a business for it and don't realize like there is a whole other piece of the puzzle. Um, and so, you know, as much as I love teaching, my other passion is in, is in, you know, marketing and branding and the business side of it. And I'm just as invested in that as everything else. So as much as, you know, I've done a ton of trainings and, um, you know, my world revolves around fitness, there's a nonstop ongoing education on the business end for me as well. And, so yeah, I mean it's it's it is you just have to love it so much because it just consumes your everyday and it's just it's easy to it's easy to you know to keep your head up and to keep moving when things are easy and you love it and um things are going seamlessly but when things that you love to do become you know the part of your day that is also the hardest thing to deal with and also the thing that the thing that brings you your ups and downs. I mean, you just have to love it so much that you're going to push through and keep going no matter what. And when I went into this, I mean, you know, I knew I went into this knowing that I was going to do whatever it took to gut it to where, you know, to, to give it everything I could. I knew that it could not fail because I wasn't going to let it. But I also went into it and said, you know, I was I was 21 when I create, you know, started the vision for it. I was 25 when I opened the first studio and I said, you know what, I'll do this until I'm 30. And I'll give it everything I have. And um, at that point, at least I can, I still have time to pursue something else. And so I went in with, with that. And, you know, I also had a vision for myself of what is the worst case scenario here? If this doesn't work, if I have to go bankrupt, if I lose everything, you know, if nobody walks in through the doors, what's the worst case scenario? And I created that vision really, really clearly for myself. And if I was okay with that, that I could keep going. And so I've always held on to that. I still have that image in every decision I make and every investment and, you know, every loan I take out, it's like, you have to look at, okay, what is, what is your worst case scenario? And are you ready to accept it if it gets to that? Because not every business succeeds, like not every business goes through. And, um, 
you want to make sure that you you're prepared for that, but also going to keep going in the days that <laughs> that are really challenging to get through because you have probably more of those days than the other ones. In an online world that is so saturated, how do you keep remaining true to you? Now, especially, I mean, it's it's so congested and the online world is so congested and sometimes it's really hard to be heard. There's so many options. There's so much variety. I mean, there's there's also just you know, a lot of people identifying as experts or, you know, people, people's work that's not authentic or, you know, there's so many ways to play the system now as well that sometimes it's hard to stay, to remain true to, you know, your core and your why and stay, um, you know, it's just, there's, there's just so much noise. I asked the last, one of the last question, almost knowing the answer, but I asked her if she believed in failure and what has happened before she turned 30? Uh, no, I don't think I believe in failure. No. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, yeah, have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Have I gotten in trouble for doing things that, you know, I shouldn't have done or not knowing, you know, just, you know, not knowing what what things were wrong to say or, or you know, different ways of marketing. And for sure, I mean... I've taken a lot of uh, a lot of risks and I was I'm not educated at all going into this business and going into this world and I mean we, we're in such a changing world as well that um there's there's so much to adapt to um so no I mean I've, I've had a lot of non-successes but you just learn so much from those and they're so humbling and they just help you grow so much uh, that I just, I think it's so hard to say like, yeah, that I failed in that moment because, you know, obviously we've continued to rise because as you just said, we're still here. So, you know, if to truly fail, um, you'd still, you'd still remain, you know, not at the bottom, so to speak, but you, you wouldn't be able to pick your head up. So, um, it's funny because I, I before I because I had put so much stress on this number thirty from the from the second I created this business, um, a year before I turned thirty, uh, a year or so, yeah, I opened the second studio because I was like, you know, I really want to do something else before I turn thirty. I really want to make sure that you know I'm on the right track and I'm really putting myself out there and and making a big mission for myself and then. Um, it was like, I don't know, the next year or that, that, yeah, the next year anyways, like five months before I actually turned 30. I was like, I really got to do one more thing before I turned 30. So I opened Rebel. And it was like, that was a big push. It was like, you know, so much of it was just proving to myself and, you know, showing myself how far I could push myself and, uh, you know, my ability to, to keep going and to be, to be resilient. And, you know, my big vision was to open this small little yoga and Pilates studio by the time I turned 30. But once I got there, it was like, okay, how much more can, how much more can you prove to yourself that, uh, you know, you can, you can make something of this and really create a livelihood for yourself and, and just really create an impact for others. So. And I couldn't wait to know, did she have mentors, role models? Listen to this. That's a good question. I mean, lots of people inspire me for sure. I don't know that I definitely have like a specific like business model or mogul that I, I follow, but um, there's definitely different 
different people that are um, models for different things in my life. Um, definitely a lot of like different business leaders that I tune into, but yeah, I've never, like, I've never really had like a business coach or I've never really had like a specific mentor per se that is um, like guided me or that I've tried to follow in their path. I think I just am mostly inspired by honestly more so like the community around me and the people that show up through our doors. I mean, they're my biggest role models because they're my reason for being and why I'm able to keep going. So I think on a, you know, on a grander scale, it's just literally the people that actually want to come and believe in what I'm doing. Those are my role models. <laughs> I loved Connie's fresh take on rituals. When I asked her, she uh, had rituals and something to bring her back to who she is. Basically, I've been trying my entire life to put rituals in place. <laughs> and it's just not who I am. Like, I have tried 1,000 times to be like, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time every single day. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to take a cold shower. I'm going to move. I'm going to journal. I'm going to spend, you know, an hour working on strategy. I'm going to read. And it's just not who I am. Um, so <laughs> there's, you know, there's definitely a lot of things that I do. I think the other side of it too is I, I just go through so much self-transformation every year. Like, I just feel like I'm a different person every year. And you can, you can kind of see that in the way that the studios have, um, evolved as well. I used to be such a free spirit. Like I mentioned, I'm a so type be like I just was so carefree and just you know just whatever and um I've had like my personality has changed so much because of this business and because of its growth and I've just had to become a lot more of a type a and actually like you know have my shit together and um you know I feel like I have such a big responsibility now so you know, yes, like, you know, I have, I, I like to get up early. I always like, you know, movement, such a part of my day, music, such a piece for me, spending time alone. But more than anything, I think the true ritual that helps me align with who I really am is when I'm traveling and I like to travel alone. And I say that just because I find it's the only time that I'm just like truly and fully get to get back to the root and core of who I am. And I get to kind of test and challenge myself and show up in, in ways and hit, you know, and problem solve um, without somebody else's opinion or somebody else there to support me or to rely on, if that makes sense. So, you know, when you're traveling in a foreign country and you've lost your cell phone and you don't speak the language and you don't know where you're going and you just have to kind of figure it all out on your own. And, and I find those are the moments that I like truly align and understand who I am. And that's what builds my character. So it's not, it's not a day-to-day -day ritual for me because I'm not a consistent person and I'm very much all over the map. I mean, as any of my team, it's like, you know, I'm coming from all directions at all times. And I think that's part of why I've, I've you know, done what I've done and built what I've built is just because I'm just constantly moving and constantly going. But traveling for sure is a, is not necessarily a consistent ritual, but it's a rich, something I do rely on to bring me back to who I am. 
Oh, but in the end, perhaps we did find one ritual or two. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, when I went to France, that was a huge, a huge soul travel for me. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's the only time I really even have time to have rituals. I mean, every single day of my life, it looks so different. It's it's virtually impossible for me to have to have rituals, and I, you know, I kind of like it that way. It keeps it exciting for me. I just I get, I'm so used to chaos and it's just the environment that I grew up in. And I had a psychologist tell me once that anything other than chaos is uncomfortable for me. So I don't thrive in environments of consistency or ritual or pattern. And I think that's why I just, I don't have rituals. That's it. It's, you know, I think there's, there's so many books about it and there's so many, you know, business leaders who are like, these are the five things you need to do every day and you have to wake up at 5am and 5am is a club. And, you know, I think it's just another conforming of society that I don't want to be a part of. It's just another, it's another force of people saying, this is how you should do things. It's another box to live in. And as we know, I'm obviously just not somebody who lives in a box. So I think it's a part of me. It's also just a bit rebelling. You know, everybody's like, well, you need to meditate every day. It's like, well, no, you need to meditate every day. Or you think that you need to meditate every day, but I don't need to. It doesn't work for me. I've tried it. My one, my one thing that I say true to is I have a bath almost every single night because it's kind of the one time that I get quiet. Um, it, you know, at the end, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if I don't end my day till, till midnight or whatever the case may be, I basically have to have a bath. It's just the one space that I like get space and get quiet. And it's just like such a pivotal part of my day to just be like, okay, nobody can find me in here. <laughs> nobody can reach me nobody like nobody needs you right now just sit in this warm water and just saturate and the last quick questions are what are your favorite mantra i have two the one is the mission mantra for myself and that's find a mission bigger than yourself and then my mantra for you know, that I say to myself a lot through, you know, any ups and downs and trials and tribulations is uh, that life is just a series of experiences. Favorite flower? I'll say tulips. Favorite book? This isn't a female brand, but this is one that relates to both business and just humans. And I think, you know, again, for me, it's more like, you know, obviously I love business, but for me, it's really more about self-development. Um, and the book is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. That's probably the book that has given me the most important perspective. Favorite podcast? Yeah, um, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, they're mostly business related. Um, How I Built This. I'm really into Lewis House, School of Greatness. Um, I, just love it. I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing about people's, you know, as much as I don't have rituals, but hearing about, you know, people's methods for staying on track. And I listen to a lot of Tony Robbins, you know, a lot of Gary Vee. Favorite treat? I live up the street from Dairy Queen, so I guiltily go there probably more often than I should. <laughs> and what do you wish more women knew about their magic? I would say... Um, one you know one thing I've learned so much about and I've done a lot of live trainings and gone to you know a lot of you know done a lot of coaching on this 
I think so much of what holds us back is the stories that we create about ourselves. And I think that's especially true in the case of women. And I think that, um, you know, that's especially true because of, you know, where, what, what, you know, what women have had to go through and what we've had to face. And, you know, I think there's just so much power in saying to yourself that you refuse to live in the restrictions or the stereotypes that society has put on you. And so I think the magic just comes from pulling off those labels and just taking, getting rid of the stories that we've placed on ourselves based on things that have happened um, either to us or to us as a population and just starting to build our own story and build our own story. And I think that's, you know, obviously you hear me say, I read a lot of male, you know, male authors and male podcasts. And um, that's a story that I created from a very young age that I'm not going to allow any distinction to be between the power of women and the power of men. And I'm okay to sit in a boardroom with eight men. And, you know, a lot of the times I'm, I'm, you know, up for different things or I'm having to present my business and the boardroom and it's, you know, eight, wealthy white you know right white-haired men so I'm in these environments quite a bit and I just from the very beginning I've said I'm not going to let that kind of define who I am or um, I'm not going to build a story on what that looks like and I'm just going to build my own story of who I am and how I'm going to show up in the world and I think that's been that's been my magic and I think that's um, that's how we create our own magic is just to create maybe a new story about who we are. Where can we find you and how can we support you? Oh my God. Well, geez, come by the studio, come for a class, come move. Um, I mean, this has been amazing. I think you, you're, you're so inspiring and you um, have been so supportive just even through this. So um, you know what? I'm just grateful that for me, it's, it's about the impact and it's about that even if people aren't physically present in those spaces, it's, you know, the brand and the messaging um, to create your own identity and be your own person is is really at the forefront of our brand. And I think if people can live in that, then they're truly supporting what we're all about. And so that's that's the most important thing to me is that at least people take something away from it, whether whether they come into the studios and support the actual physical physical brand or, um, you know, take something away from our messaging and what we represent. Thank you to Connie for this incredible and just so... <sighs> just so generous conversation about her business journey her journey into really standing and owning her identity and just being yourself Uh, thank you so much and again thank you to all who's listening we'll see you the next season bye This podcast was produced by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub Productions. Find her online at podcasthub.ca.